0: I want you to hit me as hard as you can. It was described as a cross between Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie. However, Joe Carnahan's highly anticipated follow-up to his breakout hit Narc would prove to be quite divisive amongst critics and audiences. Released in January 2007, this tale of murder, mayhem, and excitable kids is still being discussed 15 years later for its larger-than-life cast and depraved violence. So kick back with your favorite deck of cards as we discuss just what the f*** happened to this movie. After earning acclaim by taking just $7,300 and making his debut film Blood, Guts, Bullets, and Octane, writer-director Joe Carnahan was able to secure stars Ray Liotta and Jason Patrick for his sophomore effort, 2002's NARC. The film was shot on a shoestring budget with Leoda and Patrick sometimes working for free because they said they liked Carnahan so much and didn't want to see his career ruined by shutting down production. NARC was originally intended to be a very limited release film. However, at an early screening, Tom Cruise was so impressed with what he saw that he offered to come on board as an executive producer and help secure the film a much wider release. NARC was able to finish its theatrical run pulling in double its production budget while garnering unanimous praise for its lead actors as well as Carnahan's gritty script and visual style. Tom Cruise would then show the ultimate faith in Joe Carnahan by offering him the chance to write and direct the third Mission Impossible film after director David Fincher dropped out due to creative differences. With Carnahan on board for MI3, The cast would soon follow with the Academy Award winner Kenneth Branagh playing a Timothy McVeigh-type terrorist, and Carrie Ann Moss and Scarlett Johansson set to also star. However, after 15 months of hard work, Carnahan and Cruz could not agree on the tone of the film, with Carnahan wanting a quote-unquote punk rock version that hewed more closely to 70s paranoia thrillers like Marathon Man while keeping the budget under $50 million, as opposed to the 150 it ended up costing. Carnahan would walk away from the project while the already cast stars were forced to leave due to constant delays. Over the next few months, several projects would be announced with Carnahan's name attached, yet none ever came to fruition such as a sprawling 1950s crime saga titled White Jazz that had George Clooney set to star at one point. It was during this downtime that Carnahan sat down to write, as he called it, a version of It's a Mad 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 World, but with extreme violence and dark humor. He said that writing the initial draft of the script was therapeutic for him, as it helped him expel all the bad stuff that was going on in his life. With 30 pages complete, Carnahan set up a lunch meeting with the president of Working Title Films, Liz Chasen, who took the meeting due to how much she loved the film NARC. At the lunch, Carnahan gave her the pages and simply said, quote, read this and tell me what you think. Chasen would call Carnahan immediately after reading the pages to tell him how mean it was to give her just 30 pages because it was such a tease. Carnahan would reply by telling Chasen to buy it so he could write the rest. Chasen would call Eric Fellner, co-chair of Working Title Films, and the pair agreed to the purchase. Carnahan would eventually turn in a 186 page long script that was greatly respected, but far too long to actually film. Eventually, the script was chiseled down to an acceptable length, and the producers were happy with Carnahan's vision for the film. Smoke and Aces had an official green light. Thanks for watching Joe Blow videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like and subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show. If there's one thing that Smoke and Aces is known for, it's the impressive cast it managed to assemble. Regardless of the projects that came to fruition with Carnahan attached, the town had been so impressed with NARC that many celebrities just wanted to work with the man. Combine that with a script that was quickly making its way around town as a fresh, action-packed ensemble piece, and you'd have talent from all corners of Hollywood clamoring to be a part of it. Jeremy Piven was cast as Buddy Aces Israel, Character Carnahan says was based on his obsession with Frank Sinatra's infamous mob connections and the intriguing thought of, what if Sinatra just decided to go full mafioso? Piven says that once he heard Carnahan's name mentioned, he was in, having loved NARC, calling it, quote, visceral and totally authentic. Piven would train for the role by studying with Scottish sleight of handmaster R. Paul Wilson to master card tricks needed to be done on camera. He would then test his skills by showing up at the famed Hollywood Magic Castle in character as Buddy Israel. He was able to pull off every trick he attempted in front of his enthusiastic crowd and gain the confidence he needed for the role. Ryan Reynolds, not yet the A-list box office juggernaut he is today, having just come off the poorly received Amityville Horror remake, says that he really responded to the material because it wasn't a paint-by-numbers script. He says that he loved that the lines were blurred between who the protagonist was in the movie and who the antagonist was. Reynolds would train with real-life FBI agents for the role, learning their mannerisms as well as how to shoot and reload two full gun clips in under 20 seconds, a skill he would need for the climax of the film. Ray Liotta jumped at the chance to work with Carnahan again, saying that after their experience with NARC, he felt an allegiance to Carnahan, and he felt the director had an allegiance to him as well. The rest of the cast came about quick, with Andy Garcia loving the black comedy and Ben Affleck saying that he felt the casting choices were inspired, with a mix of unknown and A-list actors being cast not based on current trends, but who was actually best for the role. This of course would also result in some memorable cameos like Jason Bateman playing a shady attorney with questionable fashion choices and Matthew Fox playing the hotel's head of security. Carnahan said that one of his biggest fears when writing the ensemble script was having every character sound exactly like him. He says that he tried to write each character as true individuals but relied heavily on casting to fully flesh out the characters. This involved hiring people like Taraji P. Henson who had just come off the acclaimed hustle and flow as well as bringing on two first-time actors, singers Alicia Keys and Common. Keys said she had been offered a lot of movies over the years, but the roles were always for singers or characters that were too similar to who she was in real life. When she read the script for Aces, she loved that this character was a complete 180 from her, an assassin posing as a hooker. She also loved the fact that the film was an ensemble piece, and she could really feel at ease with her first movie because she would be surrounded by incredible actors. Of course, one actor was not on the original cast sheet, Chris Pine. The role of eldest Tremor brother Darwin was originally to be played by Academy Award nominated actor Michael Shannon. However, one day on set, Carnahan witnessed Shannon being incredibly rude to a costume designer and immediately fired him from the film. They then held emergency auditions to recast the role, and Carnahan says that within 10 seconds of seeing Chris Pine, he had the part. This quick casting decision would prove a good one, as most critics singled out Pine's performance as the highlight of the film. Even Ben Affleck was impressed with Pine, whose biggest role at that point was in The Princess Diaries 2. Affleck told Carnahan, quote, If I could take 10% of what I'm going to make in my career and bet it on anybody, I'd bet it on that kid. Filming began in October 2005 in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Everybody involved would have a blast making the film. With Peter Berg saying that he really respected the way Carnahan ran his set and the way he treated every actor like they were the true star of the film. The film's outtake reel shows a set that was very loose and fun, with one of the most difficult shots being a billiards-challenged Ben Affleck trying to sink the eight ball while delivering a monologue. Affleck took over 20 tries to get the ball in the pocket, and when he finally did, he couldn't get out his lines due to laughing from finally nailing the shot. The actors were fans of Carnahan's laid-back and collaborative direction, saying that they appreciated his willingness to let each scene have room to breathe, without calling cut immediately. He would allow the actors to improvise as much as they wanted, with the entire beginning scene between Ray Liotta and Ryan Reynolds in the van being fully improvised. By far the most challenging thing to shoot was the climactic gunfight taking place between two massive hotels. Prior to filming the scene at the Horizons and Caesars Hotels in Lake Tahoe, hotel management had to send a letter to the actual guests staying there that they would be hearing some loud gunfire and the windows being blown out, but to not be alarmed because it's just a movie. The massive shootout scene would use over 400 squibs on 20 different actors due to Carnahan preferring in-camera action to special effects, saying he likes the realism of seeing someone fire a gun, followed by the blood splatter and a lamp in the background exploding. That realism would prove quite difficult for the cinematographer, saying he sometimes had trouble figuring out certain setups, especially the one in the mirror-filled elevator. Thankfully, the Lake Tahoe shoot went smoothly, and everyone packed up for Los Angeles to finish the film. Carnahan says that he was worried that once the studio started to see some of the dailies, they would have to push back on the violence. But much to his surprise, he didn't receive a single note. After a fairly quick 40 days, the film was in the can and ready for post-production. Over 3,000 set photographs were given to a title design company to animate an intricate opening title sequence. However, when Carnahan saw the final product, he decided against using it, saying he felt today's audiences have short attention spans, and the prolonged sequence would only slow down the pacing of the film. The film's original ending, available on the Blu-ray, which was dubbed the Cowboy Ending, had Ryan Reynolds' Agent Mesner pull out his gun and fire it through the glass, killing Buddy Israel and Primo Sparaza instantly. However, with Clint Mansell's score, it was decided to go for the more powerful slow burn ending, allowing Mansell's excellent Dead Reckoning track to build as Agent Messner slowly unplugs both men from life support. Released on January 26, 2007, Smoke and Aces would open opposite the absolutely dreadful parody film Epic Movie. Sadly, Epic Movie would win the box office battle that weekend with Smoke and Aces having to settle for second place and $14.6 million. Critical reception was slightly mixed, with some critics calling it a poor man's Tarantino with Guy Ritchie-style violence, while others praised it for the exact same reasons. Many said that the film had no characters worth rooting for, and it was all style, no substance. However, the film did have some very vocal fans, including Rolling Stone critic Peter Travers, who said that Carnahan could fire up action scenes and laughs like nobody's business. And even the highly respected filmmaker Terrence Malick praised the film, saying it was, quote, very well directed. He also noted how impressed he was with the way Carnahan balanced the numerous plot lines. Smoke and Aces would finish its theatrical run with $57.3 million worldwide off a $17 million budget. Word of mouth would ultimately see the film find a sizable audience on home video, with the film garnering nearly $36 million in DVD sales in its first few months. That home video success would lead Universal to greenlight a direct to video prequel, Smoke and Aces 2 Assassin's Ball, with Carnahan stepping down from the director's chair. He did, however, still produce and help craft the story. Smoke and Aces would help writer director Joe Carnahan land a few high profile gigs such as writing the Ed Norton, Colin Farrell police drama Pride and Glory, followed by writing and directing two Liam Neeson movies, The A-Team and The Grey. But Carnahan knows he works best when given free reign to shoot the movies only he can make, and with that comes some of the best under-the-radar movies to be made in the last 10 years, like Stretch, Boss Level, and Cop Shop. Smoke and Aces is one of those films that kinda came and went when it was released in theaters in 2007. Headlines were more interested in reporting on a horrible parody film, and critics didn't make this one to be a rush out to see kind of movie. But a true measure of a film is how it's viewed in time, and Smoke and Aces is still remembered 15 years later for its go for broke violence, memorable score, and talented ensemble cast. And that is what the f- happened to Smoke and Aces. Let us know your thoughts. Leave a comment in the comments, and thanks for watching.